Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today as we do our uh, midweek sermon recap. I don't think I was with the, the guys last week. They did it on their own. Right. Don't remember where I was. I was probably just sick of you guys. <laughs> where was I? I think you had an appointment. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I had an appointment yeah. that we had to be at. That's right. But glad to be back. Psalm 49. We're kind of getting close to wrapping up next week, our last week in Psalms for... Uh, we try to do that in the summer because we know people are in and out a little bit more at church, and the Psalms are kind of nice because you don't necessarily have to keep reading them one after another to to understand them. So we we like doing that in the summer uh, when possible. And so we found ourselves this week on Psalm 49, Psalm 49, as we're kind of exploring the Psalms of the sons of Korah uh, together. And Psalm 49, I did I did do some recap because. Of, of its position within some other psalms. Psalm 47 speaks of God being king over all the earth. Psalm 48 speaks of the city where God resides, and we talked about that in Psalm 48, that it's not it's the church, that God resides within the church, and he is our king uh, who leads us. Then in Psalm 49, the psalmist is asking a question of why should I fear and you think about where we've come from. Again, God is king over the, all the earth. He's our king. He's He's allowed us to be part of his kingdom uh, because of the work of Christ. And so then that's a valid question. Then why should I fear? And if you jump ahead to Psalm 50, you see that God is the only judge that is to judge the earth. And then in Psalm 51, we see one of those most famous psalms of, of King David after his sin of crying out to God uh, for mercy, for grace, and for forgiveness, and receiving that forgiveness, going to God with a contrite heart. And so you kind of have this progression that that makes sense here in this section. Now, we're not going to look at Psalm 50 or Psalm 51 together in this series, uh, but it, I, I wanted to look at that because it helps us understand a little bit more of the context, I think, of Psalm 49 and of asking this question, this age-old question, why should I fear? And so in this psalm, Psalm 49, uh, there's, a, there's an introduction in the first four verses, just the psalmist crying out, like, everybody listen, everybody, rich, poor, high, low. Uh, everybody needs to hear what I'm about to say, as the psalmist is, is getting at. And he asks a question in verses 5 and 6, saying, why should I fear in times of trouble, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. And so the psalmist is asking this question about fearing in times of trouble, but also seems to be this fear of the rich, the wealthy, those who are in power. And that's really the what the what the psalm follows after, which we'll which we'll get into. Um But what the way I tried to to talk through the sermon is I kind of wanted to put everybody on their heels a little bit. Um, because I think when we hear a question like this as Christians, we know the answers. We shouldn't fear, right? God is king, God is judge, blah, 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 blah. And so then we see a psalm like this, and I understand how we can read it. All the rich people, oh, I'm not scared of them, blah, 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 fear. Okay, I think I've got this handled. But I think it's actually different in how we live our lives. I think all of us have a deep-seated fear uh, of those in power and those in control who oftentimes are those with money. 
And so uh, I tried to ask the question about money buying happiness because this is where this psalm is, is going to lead and bring and bring us to. And again, a good Christian is always going to answer me, money cannot buy happiness. They're always going to say that. But yet how most Christians, and me, I'm, me included, I'm, I'm a sinner too, structure our lives makes it seem like money does buy happiness, that we do not believe money doesn't buy happiness. Now, I was alone preaching this. What, what do you guys think about that um, in your own life as you come across people? That phrase, money cannot buy happiness. Do we really live that way and believe that? I think you did a good job pointing out that it's not just when we say money doesn't buy happiness. I mean, people will, you're right, will agree with that. But it's when you start applying that to, it's not just having a large sum in your bank account that you're talking about. Right. You're talking about the gen, gen, uh, the general materialism that all of America is kind of entrapped by, the idea of having things. You know, you mentioned like uh, a camper or a house down in Florida or a cabin up north or something like that. Um, but I think you could even expand it out further, like sure. not having the burden of bills, mm-hmm. you know, not being, you know, some people that are very wealthy, they don't have to worry about paying that medical bill. Some people have to decide whether or not they should go to the doctor because right. they don't have the money to pay the bill. Or it might be just having a job where you have the luxury of having five weeks vacation a year versus one, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, they, those are the kinds of things, too, like day-to-day normal things that, you know, money will solve that problem or a higher-paying job or a more luxurious job uh, will help with that. And so I just think about applying that in all of those different areas that we look to. It's like, yeah, that would be a pretty nice life to have in that sense. Yeah, and I don't think we can deny that money does bring some sort of happiness, right? I don't want to even just push that aside mm-hmm. um, because there are things, in, and this is even a good, right? God blesses you with uh, some money, and you use it on something that makes everybody happy, including yourself. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no sin in that, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't deny that. I think sometimes we try to get hyper spiritual and hyper, I don't know, whatever it might be. But it's like, you know what the best part of this, uh, this night was for all of us, just being together. It's like, no, that wasn't actually. It was that we, <laughs> you know, it was, it was the concert that we went to. Like that was a lot of fun, or the game we got to watch. That was the best. You know, we try to fancy it up to, mm-hmm. to make it sound all righteous, but no, I, we're not trying to deny that money can't make us happy mm-hmm. because like you said, Scott, um, security makes us happy. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling me I have a big bank account or like you said, it doesn't matter if the doctor tells me my, my pills for the month are going to cost a thousand dollars. I have it. No big, no worry. Right. Uh, there is a sense of happiness in, in that sort of, uh, security. So we don't want to, we don't want to kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think where we get caught sometimes is like, like you, you, you said it very well just now. It's like, oh, you know, Jesus tells me to store up treasures in heaven. And yes, that's, that's true. You know, we can spiritualize things and, and but then we see something on Facebook. Someone's at some exotic location and, you know, for a vacation, you're just like, 
I want to be there, you know, and that there's that envy that comes in. It's that subtlety of like, you know, where's my break or how come I can't have this? You know, like you said, I've got these bills that are unpaid and, you know, these people seem like they're just kind of free and easy. And I think that's where we get that. We, we tend to be like, oh, yeah, we trust the Lord with our our money and we, you know, we're content. But then something happens like that. We see something it's before our eyes and then we're then we're kind of caught. And I think that's what I was thinking about yesterday. It's like, yeah, we like to say these little phrases, but in the reality, our heart can be is very deceitful, as Jeremiah says. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and this is a <clears throat> this is the great trap of our age because, like we said, money in of itself isn't sin, uh, but it can easily lead to sin, yeah. right? Easily lead to sin. Um, and there's other things probably the Bible talks about. I know. Uh, we don't need to bring up, but that or they're not sin, but it can lead to sin. And so some people would even avoid that altogether. But money's not something we can avoid. <laughs> you, you have to have that where where we live in, in America. But it's just so enticing. And it's a sin that all of us struggle with to some extent, maybe some more than others. But, but we do. Um, we just, like you were saying, Dave, we, you know, the Facebooks and all the different things, uh, Instagrams, the Snapchats and the stuff that come across us regularly. And it's like, oh, you know, having fun at the water park today. And it's like, well, here I am sludging along at work. Mm-hmm. Wish I had vacation. You know, I wish I could go to the water park or whatever it might be. And and it's just easy to get into that rhythm in life to where our motivation every morning is about money or it's about having fun and or it's about this thing that normally takes money, right? It takes, it takes money to do these uh, different things. And the psalmist here is recognizing that even in his own life and he's looking around and it seems in a position where he doesn't have a lot of money, but others do. And there seems to be some sort of oppression taking place of like, not only am I in a pit, kind of, I, I can't get out of it on my own either. They keep pushing me back back into the pit, mm-hmm. you know. And so he, this question is coming up of, of why should I fear? And again, I, I said there is a logical answer to this question that people wouldn't argue with, I think, today of saying, why should I fear? Because they have power and control. That'd, that'd be like me going to a company, and I have a I need to have a fear of the owner. Because at any moment he could say you're done, mm. and now I don't have any. I don't have anything. I don't have anywhere to go, or we're cutting your pay, or I'm taking away your insurance, right? And and some people who listen to this probably have had that happen to them, mm. right? And so why should I fear? Because it's not in my control. It's not in my power, and it's in theirs. And so yes, I I now have this fear for them. And so I think there is an answer. Because uh, again, when we first read this as good Christians, we're going to say. Yeah, I don't fear. I, yeah, you're right. Shouldn't fear. But I think when we really sit and think about it for a while, we have a great fear of, of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the psalmist goes on to verse 7 and 9 and sets up something pretty important because we he is talking about the rich. He's talking about wealthy. He's talking about those who have money and security in this world. And he, he lays the truth down that no man can ransom another or give God the price of his own life even. So money cannot buy your soul. It cannot ransom your soul, right? And so that's the author starting to set up here. The psalmist is setting up here what is actually the most important thing 
is our is our soul, right? We have a small time on this earth, and then is eternal life. And no matter how much money you accumulate in this world, you cannot go and buy anybody's soul, which which goes two ways, right? This guy in the pit can look at the rich person with confidence and say, you can't buy my soul. You can't affect my soul, right? Uh, but also, I can't buy my own. I can't. See, there's almost this hopeless, this hopelessness that is kind of being set up here. Um, but also, there's a warning to the rich. If you cannot buy your life, and so you think you're going to live on forever? No, you're not. You're not, and, and you can't buy yourself so that you never see the pit, he says in, in verse, verse 9. And, he, and then again, he say, shares the truth there in verses 10 and 12. It says, for he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man, this is a, a very humbling verse, verse 12. Man and his pomp will not remain. He's like the beasts that perish. Yeah. You know, you think about that. We were talking before uh, we started recording. And Spencer was talking about uh, part of his vacation at a gas station, and you. But you were saying what a vacation! Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. He hey, took his family it wasn't to a simply gas station. A gas station. It, it was. Uh, it was Bucky's. No, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a truck stop. Okay, <laughs> just to clarify, just not, not just simply a gas station. A gas station. This Sorry. is a truck stop. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but you said something after. Remember, you said maybe Stonewall Jackson <laughs> walked right where this Love's gas station was. <laughs> Which could be a true statement, right? But how would Stonewall Jackson feel if that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he's dead, right? He's gone. Most people don't know who he is. Couldn't care less who he is. But he was an important figure, right? Yeah. He looked at me yeah. very yeah. angrily there. <laughs> <laughs> you had a really good. Uh, you mentioned in your sermon too. I mean, you referenced the pharaohs of Egypt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and good. like their whole mentality of like if anybody's ever studied ancient egypt or the pyramids or watch one mm-hmm. of those documentaries of like king tut's tomb or yeah. whatever it's like you you were right like they would pack in mm-hmm. everything that they needed for the afterlife and that's what they would use but what happened to the vast majority of those tombs mm-hmm. they were robbed They're right, right? right? Yeah. you might have thought that you were taking all of this with you in death but actually it was taken from yeah. you in death you had no power whatsoever yeah Right. And, uh, and that's, you're very right. You know, and most people don't even know who most of those pharaohs are nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and it, it's such a slap in the face to humanity. Verse 12. It really is you and your pomp. Mm. And you think, I mean, that's what we're all about. We're all about us, the buildings that we can build, the cities that we forge, all these different things back and forth, the, the oceans that we can conquer, Da 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 da. We go on, and now we're trying to conquer space. You know, we got the space force and all these different things. We got all this stuff, you know, and it's like okay, but in our pomp, it doesn't matter. And and I think that this would be a more striking statement at the end of verse twelve than it is in our culture. Um, we're so removed as a culture from the death of animals and different things that it doesn't really make sense. But I mean, to this psalmist, it'd be like you're just you're just another sheep that was slaughtered for everybody to eat, you know, or another goat, or you're just one of those animals out in the field that just died and nobody cares about. And it's just sitting there rotting. Look at it. You know, um, I know that's kind of striking for us to think about, but that's what he's saying. Saying, man, in your pomp, you end up like the beasts of the field. Right. And it's just, it's a, it's like gut wrenching to, 
to think about that. Yeah, yeah. This psalm, this psalm is a is a wisdom psalm. Yeah. So it's it's um it's like uh, other psalms like Psalm thirty seven. If you read Psalm thirty seven, uh, which uh, has similar themes about don't fret yourself mm-hmm. uh, about the wicked, and one of the things the psalmist here is pointing out, yeah, is the great equalizer that death is is the rich, the poor, no matter what money and uh, mammon in this world has limits. It can only go so far. And as you pointed out, you can't take it with you. Um, you, yeah. you can't carry it with you beyond the grave. It is impossible to do so. And Scott pointed out about the pharaohs and such, and that's so true. I mean, those guys were world leaders, revered as gods or godlike, mm-hmm. and yet look at them today. Death took them. Um, and death takes all of us and, and even it equalizes us to the level of like dogs and cats that, that cease to breathe the air of this ground and they disintegrate and we disintegrate into the earth. And so, yeah, this Psalm is meant to be, uh, to highlight the, the limits of, of, of accumulating money. It reminds me of, um, I don't know where the verse is. I think it's one of Paul's epistles where he talks about covetousness, which is idolatry, Mm. connects the 10th commandment to the first commandment. Because if you're covetous, you're you're actually placing your confidence Mm -hmm. in something else. And so I think it's, it's actually whenever things go bad to small degrees or big degrees in your life that you can see whether or not you're trusting your riches, your health, your wealth, or you're placing your confidence in the Lord. And Psalm 49 is reminding us you can't place your confidence in the things of this world mm-hmm. because you're going to be like the beasts that perish. You will cease to exist. I think that's one of the, the powerful reminders that you've talked about. People don't are removed from death of animals. And we're also removed from just the death of people, mm-hmm. um, especially as people are mobile. Um, you know, I think about the fact that as a pastor, I go to funerals, but if I wasn't a pastor and I don't live near where I'm from, but I go to hardly any funerals right? Yeah. because I don't have any connections yeah. here. Right. And in a mobile society like ours, where people move around a lot, how often would they even go to funerals and see that person was breathing on Tuesday and they're not anymore? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the limits of, of life, I think just appreciating, that's what Psalm 49 kind of puts it right in our face mm-hmm. so that we're, we're drawn to place our confidence in God, not in the riches of this world. Yeah, so in verses 13 and 14, he kind of lays down this truth. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boast. Like sheep, they are appointed for shield. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. Now, this is the frustrating thing of humanity and sin. Is As I've been saying all along, we know the answers to the questions, yet we follow right in line with everybody to disaster of trusting in the wrong things. Because, again, I, I, I hope I made this point enough uh, Sunday. We need to say it here. The Bible does not say being rich is sinful. It's self-confidence, it's self-reliability that becomes sinful. When you start to trust in these things and of your own doing, which often is what happens, right? That often is the case, what happens. And so we have to be careful with that. But the psalmist is saying, look at these people, they, they live for their wealth, they live for their power, they live for themselves, they die. They're like the beasts of the field. And we know this, church, we know this, yet... 
we approve of them and want to be like them, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and I would even say it this way. Not even like the rich who you're like, you know why you're rich is because you are a drug kingpin and, and you do this, right? No, I'm talking about people who've obtained riches the proper way. They've been kind, you know, they are, they're kind people, they're caring people. Uh, they've, they've obtained uh, wealth. They don't mind giving, uh, to people, but they're still lost and they're still people who live for this world, right? I mean, people we respect, whatever it is. And we want them to be, to be like them. And we forget, uh, I think at times, what really is the most important thing in this life of serving our Savior instead of ourself. Now, for some of us, as we serve our Savior, it might be that you become rich. I don't know. It could be the path. I, I have no idea. For most, it won't be. <laughs> for, I mean, that's how it is in our world right now. Most Christians have no money at all around the world. Very poor. Uh, and so we have to be careful to fall into what this, you talking about this being a wisdom psalm and how 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 dumb this sounds, right? Like, why would I get in that line with all of them falling off the cliff? I don't know, but you do all the time. You keep getting in that line, uh, and you have to remember the end is is death. I think about when Spencer, when you were talking, I was thinking about like in America, the people that we hold up with a lot of honor, you know, in our country, the George Washingtons and the Abraham Lincolns and the, the, the people who, who fought, uh, in the revolution war and all these different things. And, and like, I mean, Amanda and I are even trying to take our kids to, to the East coast to do some historical stuff with them mm-hmm. to show them. Cause <clears throat> it is important and it's neat to see. And, and I know when I, when I study that stuff and read that stuff, there's something inside of me that's like, you need to do something with your life. Look at these guys. They did something with their life. They like went out there and they put it all on the line and they were willing to die for this cause and look at the benefits of it and how great their name is now, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then I have to step back and say, they're all dead. And I don't know where they were spiritually. You know, there's some who would fight tooth and nail with me. I'm sure that they were all very strong Christians and determined. There's others who would say something very different. I don't. I don't know mm-hmm. the answer. The answer to that. But for those of those of those men who weren't Christians, who weren't truly following the Lord, question becomes: What was it all for in their life? You know, are they happy mm-hmm. now with what they did and how they lived their life mm-hmm. and the decisions that they made? And do I then want to just follow in their footsteps so my name can be great in this world? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think what we do then is we're not, we're not, Jesus says, and I think part of the thing, the first will be last and the last will be first. So the way at the end of the world, when Jesus comes to judge the world, we're looking at it and we do appreciate the things like, uh, major figures did and we can uh, we can look at that and um learn mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. but also just being humble at the same time to realize we don't really see the whole picture yet of reality yeah and when christ comes then things will be seen for what they really were and what was really valuable um it reminds me of what you're saying about the rich Paul says about the rich charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us. I think that 
um, on the one hand, we don't want to say being rich and having having material possessions is a sin. But then on the other hand, like what you've talked about, how if we're if our goal and our aim in life is to accumulate, that might be a clue that the um, the corrosive effect of effect effect excuse me of covetousness has already started to take its hold on our hearts um because in the bible while riches are not a bad thing there are certain grave temptations associated with being wealthy or desiring to be wealthy and i think in our current society um we don't appreciate those temptations or don't think they're temptations um, with wealth or riches um, because there's a reason why in the Bible consistently it warns us against, it does tell us to be diligent and hardworking and to be good stewards, but the goal is never told us to just accumulate and accumulate uh, because actually that can have a great corrosive effect on your spiritual health. And I think that's just a good reminder to all of us. If, if I haven't been blessed with riches uh, to be thankful for the great burden that I don't have either. Um, there are some people that God just blesses with great abilities to handle riches. And I can think of one person in particular in my life that has been wealthy and who handles it quite well. Um, but I couldn't do that. I would be wanting more and more probably. And just being, just realizing um, mm-hmm. this psalm and, and the nature of that. So are you saying that having like a savings account is sinful? No. Or a retirement? No. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the balance between stewardship mm-hmm. and be, being careful right. that that doesn't yeah. slip over to covetousness and placing your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a balance. It's but, a balance, yeah. and it's hard, and it yeah. is. And uh, we have to understand that. Something that we keep saying, you know, those that God blesses with wealth, da 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 it probably needs to be stated that all of us are pretty rich compared to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sitting in this room, we we have things that most people don't. I I doubt. Now, you guys might be curious of where lunch is going to come uh, today. Maybe you don't know where you're going to go buy it from yet, or whatever the case might be. But very rarely in my life is have I ever wondered, am I going to get food today? Mm-hmm. You know, God, you care for the birds of the air. Are you going to care for me today so that I have something to eat and something to drink? Mm-hmm. That's never been a concern in my life. I, there, You know what I mean? I, I have the money for that. Uh, so I do want to state that, and we, we do understand that. And so then with mm-hmm. that, as Spencer was saying, comes a responsibility to handle what we have well and not in a sinful way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, where this psalm is kind of at is it's, lead a, it's led maybe the readers of it you know, kind of put it in this situation saying a soul cannot be ransomed. It cannot be bought. Not even the rich. So in our day and age, not even like an Elon Musk could buy this. So it leaves people like us saying, well, what in the world? What hope do I have? I mean, I, I'm not even close to that. So what happens? I mean, do we all just fall off the cliff into the pit into Sheol forever? Uh, Because if the rich can't do it, how in the world am I ever going to do it? You know, that's kind of where it's left at. But the psalmist has a has a good transition here in verse 15, very similar to Paul's transition in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, when he says, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. And so within this is a lot of theology, a lot of truth, but we see 
that it's God who must do that work to ransom a, a soul. And the psalmist here is claiming that his soul will be ransomed because he knows that God has received him. So there is a way to know that you are accepted by God. And, and we know as New Testament Christians that this is only done through Christ, through Jesus, through the blood of, of the Lamb who gave his life as a ransom for many that we have here. And so we have this great phrase, right, of when there seems to be no hope. You mean the most powerful in the world, the richest in the world, they can't do this? No. But God can. And he has. He has done this. And so this is where that good news comes in and the psalmist here kind of is speaking of like a of a resurrection that is taking place in his life because God is re- reviving him God is receiving him uh, and so we talked a little bit uh, this Sunday about how we're received by God that it's done uh, through Jesus I went to Titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 14 it says for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You know, I, I chose that section there. I think that's a good section. I, I didn't go too much into it on Sunday, but at the beginning of that, telling us to training us to renounce all ungodliness, all worldly passions, right? Which this psalm is what it's all about, the worldly passions. That because of what Jesus has done, because he has redeemed us, we can renounce those worldly passions. We understand their place, at least we should, and where it should be placed in our life. And so we have to, we have to think about that and we have to remember that. And then also just this call of there's hope out there. You know, there's so many people in this world who probably live distraught lives because they can't make it up the ladder anymore. They, they're they like, I've heard this so many times. You hear it with race conversations. You hear it with uh, socioeconomic conversations of, I was born in this. I'll always be in this. There's no way out for me. Well, there's plenty of people who talk that way. And the good news of this psalm is, uh, in this world, there might not be a way out, but there's actually something much better that could be yours right and you think about the detroit lions fans they feel that way <laughs> i just it just won't stop you know and you do that, this the, every the, the resurrection is coming yeah you do this every conversation <laughs> you bring up the lions, so, right? the lions so back to it's a great here. it's a great it's a great are illustration the, how are the st louis rams going to do yeah. this year well we're not we're, we're you don't exist okay yeah, we don't exist no. go ahead go ahead <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Oh, I, I don't. I feel like we should end now. <laughs> it's just, I, <laughs> I was just going to say that it, like, one of the things that's coming through in this psalm that I think we're hinting around at, but maybe haven't explicitly said, is that you know your view of this life here is not going to be correct unless you have a correct view of the life that is mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what was wrong with the pharaohs. They had a wrong understanding of the life to come, and so they, the way that they lived here and now. And the way that they prepared for death, even, was just completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't end in anything different than any other peasant mm-hmm. in their kingdom uh, that would have happened. And so it's just having a correct understanding of what is your life going to be like mm-hmm. after you die. Yeah, uh, It's the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to be able to take anything with you. Uh, was it Job that said, mm-hmm. "Naked I came yeah. from my mother's womb, and yeah. naked I shall return"? Right. 
Uh, there's nothing that you can take with you, but mm. Christ told us, lay up for yourselves treasures in mm-hmm. heaven. Um, and so whether you're rich or you're poor, focusing on your life after this, you'll, you know, that is what will keep you on the right path. Like no, like we've talked about, like, how do you know the line? How do I know mm. this? How do you discern that? That's all wisdom. And the question is, are you focusing on your life in, mm-hmm. in Christ, in heaven? Mm. Um, That's yeah. a good point, Scott, because this is the verb. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. I mean, it says God will. There's a future. Yeah. Um, yes. And so while there is a present confidence, because he's confident about God will do something, this is ultimately pointing to the resurrection power, mm-hmm. where God ultimately does ransom us from all of the power of death and Hell, I mean, that's a pretty vivid picture. I mean, whenever he says that we're like sheep appointed for sheol and death is your shepherd, I think about like the grim reaper (laughs) standing there with all the souls of the departed. Um, And that's us until Christ comes and buys us back uh, by his blood. And so that's the confidence we have is in another world, Mm -hmm. in another world in the resurrection it's come. Yeah, and what's what's great about these psalms, and, and this has been very clear throughout this series, is it's it starts. It's almost like, and of course, psalms are are musical. We know, as you as we've mentioned, as you mentioned, Pastor Tim, you know, they were meant. They were put the song, and so it almost starts kind of like somber, you know, like a, listening to an old country song. <laughs> That's just kind of depressing. <laughs> but then it kind of comes back, and it it it, it kind of resolves to like, well, wait a second, God is going to make all things new. He's going to renew this. You know, Asaph, when I was preaching through Psalm 73, that was his, you know, experience. And mm-hmm. he was envious. He was distraught until he went into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And the same with this. David, you know, is he struggling with depression until he's like, put my hope in God. And I was thinking about C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes. He says, you know, aim for heaven and you'll get earth mm-hmm. thrown in. Mm-hmm. But if you aim for earth, you'll get neither. Right. And I think that's that's the perspective. And Scott, you were, you're right on. It's like we have to have this perspective of that life is but a vapor. That's what I was thinking about yesterday in your sermon. Life is finite. Life is short. And it's God has placed us here, and it's good. We're here to, to be faithful. We're here to do what God's called us to do. But the ultimate goal is what is to come. Mm-hmm. And if we aim for that, then we'll enjoy our earthly mm-hmm. experience much more uh, fully. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the psalmist ends because of that, of talking about this ransom that is going to happen by, mm-hmm. by the work of God in his life. Uh, says, then be not afraid, right? When man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, because when he dies, he'll carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, and they, there's something added here, which is nice. Hmm. Yet without understanding is like the beasts that perish. And so there is an understanding that can take place that would will save us from that. And it's hmm. it's God, right? It's the work of God. It's it's Christ and what He has and what He has done. So it, it takes a psalm that seems very discouraging of like there is no hope, and it kind of reverses it to say there actually is hope. It's not in the riches of this world. It's not in these things. It's in God and his work and what he has done. And so have understanding, have wisdom to trust in this God and who he is and what he has done. And then you will not be like a beast that perishes, but instead you will be received, right? You will be, you will be ransomed, uh, which is, which is good news there. 
Uh, well, anything else on Psalm 49? I thought it was a, it's a good psalm there. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you for listening uh, today. We'll be in Psalm 85 uh, this coming Sunday. It'll be the last psalm that we do, and then we're going to do a series on worship, uh, focusing a lot on corporate worship, what it is, why we do it, questions like that. Uh, so hopefully that'll be a, a good one uh, to do together in the fall. Uh, but I hope that you have a blessed week this week, and we hope to see you on Sunday. God bless.